Norwich City podcast. We're not going to try and pretend we're going to be positive on this one. We're going to have a damn good moan. We're going to get it off our chests. Hopefully you'll feel better for it, and so will we by the time we have finished recording as we come to you on the back of a pretty disappointing 5-1 home defeat for Norwich City. Losing to Aston Villa at Carroll Road this afternoon. Only the second home defeat in 2019, in the league at least. And we've got to talk about injuries again, sadly. Uh, We've got to talk about another defeat, the third on the spin in the Premier League. They're in the relegation zone. Um, Tony, you got any positives for us? No. (laughs) And that's about how it's going to be. Let's come to... I I am Dave Freezer, just to confirm, as usual... Paddy Davitt is alongside me. So is Connor Southwell. That was video guru Tony Thrussell. He remains a guru despite uh, what happened today. Paddy, I will come to you first. What are your thoughts in the aftermath of all that? And and how was Daniel Farker's mood? Immediate thoughts now, Dave. I'm looking forward to my dinner. (laughs) Because that's about the only highlight of this day. What are you having? Toad in the hole. That's the plan. Yeah, that is the plan, yeah. Homemade or...? Homemade, fella. And you're not invited, by the way. (laughs) Before you ask. (laughs) Just a little segue, we're all invited to Paddy's Sunday brunch tomorrow. (laughs) On the pink and blue. Do I actually have to do that? That's going to be fun. Nobody's going to watch. Yeah. Farksicle. That was last (laughs) one. That was last week's one. Yeah, far far, as in the play on Ralph Farman. Sickle. But it could well be reprised. Um... Yeah, on a serious note, for one minute, let's cut through this doom and gloom. The voice drops. Yeah. No, not good. Not good enough. Uh, and mentioning the man himself, Daniel Farker, post-match, you asked there, Dave, how was his mood? Um, resigned, I think, in the sense that essentially he felt that maybe with all the injuries, which we do have to continue to refer to, nine senior players missing before the game, Cantwell, Lewis and Godfrey all went into this game with fitness injuries, painkillers in Godfrey's case, um, surgery imminent in the coming days, but basically felt that they probably would do a walloping of this nature because um, you can't continually keep going to the well. And I mean, we saw the bench this afternoon, Akin Femewo uh, and Archie Mayer, two young development lads, would never in their wildest dreams have thought before a ball was kicked this season they would be anywhere near that first team this early in the campaign but that it's almost putting bodies on an on a team sheet now to fulfil the uh, 17 or 18 that you have to name um, so it's quite a depressing situation and unfortunately today all the worst fears were realised um, compounded by players nowhere near the levels they need to be for me one or two feeling sorry for themselves and that's that's not forgivable really you know you can you can use the Injuries as mitigation, but ultimately uh, you can't hide behind them. And uh, and as good as Villa were in phases, it was far too easy. You know, individual errors, uh, collective errors, um, and quite a chastening afternoon. And as you rightly said, the goal difference is horrendous. The position in the league is fairly bleak, and five defeats in six in the league. There's only one place you're going with that sort of form, and that's back to the Championship. So yeah, as much as it's still early days things need to change and that includes A, clearing up the injuries but B, also I think it's now really obvious, painfully obvious that Farker needs to change a few things as well when he's able to in terms of the resource because the way he's setting about it, the template, the way he's setting his teams up, 
too easy. Opposition teams have, have latched on to what Norwich are about. Dean Smith, uh, to seg a little bit in his post-match, said we knew how Norwich were going to play and we knew where we could hurt them and that was basically pressing very high and uh, I think if you look back at the goals, a lot of them came from, from turnovers and, and, and basically high pressing from Villa. So, yeah, it's it's concerning um, and it's really now for Farker to over the course of this two weeks international break to really gather his thoughts with his coaches and and come out punching because um, they were far too compliant today, I thought. Yeah, and we've now got to cope with the worries of further in, uh, injuries during those international games, haven't we? Uh, we won't go through the game blow by blow because you probably all experienced that pain enough. You may well have watched Match of the Day if you're a brave person or if uh, you know, you've watched the highlights, whatever. But Wesley scored a couple of goals um, in the first half. Michael McGovern did make one big save, a penalty save, did well with the follow-up as well. And that was the one moment when Carroll Road felt hopeful in the afternoon if they could get a goal back before half-time, then maybe something could happen. There was a, a sort of a penalty shout before half-time as well. But Villa added three more goals in the second half and, and that one goal for Norwich for Josip Dermich, his first for the club, was just a consolation. Three minutes from time, did well to close down Tom Heaton. But the, the result was never really in doubt, I, I would have said. Connor, if I come to you next, um, there were a few early chances for Steepman, weren't they? And the, I wouldn't say they were huge chances. There was that penalty appeal that, that I mentioned as well. But... Overall, I didn't feel like there was that same intensity, that same desperation, same attitude that they'd shown against Manchester City in the same sort of injury crisis. And I've seen some people as well say after this one that you know that's still nine of arguably Norwich's best uh, eleven. You know, other than the keeper McGovern coming in and Amadou having to play in central defence, those other nine players arguably would be on the, the on the team sheet. So. Uh, Paddy sort of hinted at it there in terms of them feeling sorry for themselves, but do you think they can have any complaints over today? No, they can certainly have no complaints. I thought Villa were, were the better side from, from the get-go, really, in, in terms of how they played. Uh, I thought they were better in every department, limited Norwich to very little. Um, if if we talk about what, what Paddy alluded to in terms of Norwich being worked out and their approach being worked out, which on the evidence of today and the evidence of, of the last two weeks looks to be the case then essentially what they've done is, is force Norwich into, into crossing positions and said, OK, then Timu Buki go and win a header against Tyrone Mings and it won't happen, which is why, and again, Paddy mentioned the turnovers, which is why so many of those happened, because they, they basically left just to pull back to the edge of the penalty area and then they'd lose the ball. And, and that was that was the issue. But um, if, if I cast my mind to Grealish's goal in particular in, in the second half, where he just seemed to almost gracefully walk through the, the Norwich half. Uh, it does have that style it to him, doesn't it? Yeah, and then exchanges passes with El Ghazi like it's a, a training yeah. training uh, drill and slots it into the back of the net. And, and that, for me, is where Norwich's issues lie at the moment. The midfield was, was pretty non-existent, didn't really have any physical edge to it whatsoever. And um, there's just so many problems in so many areas at the moment. And, and for this international break now, it's, it's probably come at the right time in, in terms of where Norwich are at currently because as again as, as Paddy said rightly there's there are so many things for for Farker to, to address no, and put the injuries aside to a moment in terms of how they play and, and in terms of their setup because they have to adapt and, and at the moment it's okay saying we have a clear philosophy and this is the way we play but if you if you don't adapt that teams work you out quickly at this level um, and that's what Norwich have, have found out and now they need to 
regroup, work particularly on, on how they defend because the way they defend is, isn't good enough, to, to be frank, for this level. Um, and they need to come out after the international break, hopefully with, with some more players fit, and, and they need to come out and prove that they deserve to be at this level. But in, in terms of today, um, very, very poor. Very, very poor in, in all areas. And, and yeah, Villa can completely deserve the win, I thought. Yeah, I mean, they didn't defend well last year, did they? Was it 57 goals, I think, they conceded on the way to the title? So that uh, I guess they were able to outscore teams and, and then they're not doing that this, this season. Um, just to focus on the on the one pe- positive, Tony, the, the penalty save, that was a cracking effort from Michael McGovern, wasn't it? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it must have been his dream to, <laughs> to produce that. But on his first Premier League start. Yeah, I, to be honest, I, he's probably not even thinking about that, is he? Mm. He's probably... Um, very down right now but um, in his defence I don't think any of the goals were his fault um, the midfield and defence seemed to part like the Red Sea at points um, particularly the midfield there was no real protection um, Villa just seemed quicker slicker and just just a lot better than, than McLean and, and Leitner at times didn't they They'd outnumbered by far outnumbered I mean maybe it's time they played a flat three there dropped back to number 10 I don't know it's it's hard to say what he's going to do next but just to solidify and, and try and get a, a foothold almost and then, and yeah. then go from there I mean it, it just it does like Paddy said it, it seems like there needs to be a plan B or even a plan C but at the same time you look at the bench and there's no one there that can offer a, a plan B that I mean you've got Shabeni and Dermich but they're not Premier League quality, are they? So, I mean, it's quite telling that he doesn't bring on the subs with half an hour left. Mm. He obviously doesn't really rate his options that he's got at the moment. So, the sooner the other players come back, the better, really. Yeah, I mean, there were a lot of people saying on our live updates, you know, why are there no subs at half time? Mm. <laughs> this needs to improve. But um, let's just break off quickly um, and hear a bit from head coach Daniel Farker. First of all, I have to say we are disappointed. It's a tough day uh, today, without uh, without any doubt. And um, of course, we're disappointed because we showed several times during the season that we were able to to beat the fate and and uh, against all odds, we are able to to be there. It was a big surprise, and we're highly motivated to do this. But if I'm if I'm really honest, um, you can't do this on a on a on a weekly basis. Yeah? Otherwise, uh, it wouldn't be a surprise anymore. So uh, for that, it it would be quite normal. There were too many problems today and too many odds against us in order to be competitive and uh, for that we, we are disappointed with this result it's a tough tough afternoon definitely but I also think uh, today we have to accept the loss yes okay is it too simple then to say that the defensive midfielder is the sort of key issue here because that's 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 the thing that's jumping out at me it's not the only thing of course but Daniel pretty much has got one hand tied behind his back at the moment because he can't play a defensive midfield he's having to play Amadou in defense he hasn't got Teddy hasn't got tribal McLean obviously isn't a defensive midfielder is he but you know he's played as a number 10 and as a winger often for for Aberdeen gave it his best shot but him and Leitner that is not what they're they're um, sort of best suited to do so do you you see that as the main issue pad or are there just plenty of issues there's plenty of fires to be put out on, on the evidence of that slash the other games as well no doubt about it um well, Daniel Varker certainly felt on Friday at Colney when we spoke to him 
where the key area of this, this game would be. And he said midfield. You know, he talked about McGinn, talked about Grealish. Both of those were very good. Um, Marvellous Nakamba, marvellous name. What a name. What a name, <laughs> what a player. In fact, Dean Smith picked him out as his star man in the Villa ranks. So that tells you how good he felt he was. And what is he? He's a holding midfielder, essentially. So if I just look at the respective midfields today, purely on today, you know, the, bland, the blend and the balance... Villa had it to a T. They had a little bit of everything in there, and McLean and Leitner are not without the ball. Really going to offer you what you need in this league. You go through all the teams, pretty much Norwich played this season. They've all had powerful athletes in their midfields, allied to good, technically gifted players. West Ham had it. Burnley certainly had it. Probably more of the ball winner than the, than the, the technician, but still an effective blend. And and it's really Norwich are too too lightweight in that area of the pitch. And ultimately, that's the flaw in, in a Farker philosophy because he wants to dominate the ball. He wants to play through the thirds. But if you can't win the ball, if you can't retain the ball um, because you're not good enough to get the ball off the opposition, then there's not a lot down for you in this league. Um, they get away with it in the Championship, um, but they won't get away with it in the Premier League. And uh, you know that first half especially, Norwich's midfield was second best. And in their defence, I would say... The way Villa played and flooded the fullbacks forward as well, they did overrun Norwich. Um, but that's when you want Farker to see the way the wind's blowing. He talks about the wind in his face. Well, but then in his defence, he hasn't really got the options to change it currently. Um, so you know, it's hard to say he puts in a defensive midfielder and things miraculously change. But I certainly think they'd be in games longer than they have been in the last three or four. And and it would appear Amadou is the one they feel because you can't really rely on Tete with his injury record sadly anymore um, Amadou is really the only one who could probably go in and add a bit of grunt to that midfield but that, as we know at the minute there's no Hanley there's no Zimmerman there's no closer Godfrey's playing through the pain barrier he has to play in centre mid centre defence so it's unfortunately an imperfect storm in the sense that he hasn't got a lot of room for manoeuvre but you still feel with the resource he had available today, they could have put up a better show. And and I think, you know, let's let's be honest, he's had a lot of praise, the head coach, but is he flexible enough in his approach tactically um, and in terms of his shapes? He's talked about how he'd like to play a three, but could he have done something better to, to counteract where he knew the game was probably going to be won or lost today? And that was getting the better of not just McGinn, but Grealish and Nakamba, and there's no way they did. Um, and once they lost that battle, then the war was only going one way as well. It was 49th minute, wasn't it, that Grealish scored? And that actually came from McCamber winning the ball in the midfield, wasn't it? So um, you could have argued, I think I said it in our live updates, that was it time to consider shutting up shop? Do you go to three at the back there? He didn't. Um, Roberts got a run out. Connor, I don't think he did a great deal, did he? I mean, it's difficult for the lad. He's coming on at 4-0. To be fair, their two final goals are cracking finishes Wendy uh, don't know what he's doing getting robbed on the edge of his own box and then Hoorahan puts it away lovely and the, and the final one Douglas Louise was was a cracking finish but I'm not sure what the point of putting Trebeni on really was in, in that because he was kind of on a hiding to nothing as much as Roberts but did Roberts do anything to suggest that he might <laughs> trouble Daniel starting 11? <sighs> From memory no not, not particularly I, I think it's hard to say because we've seen him in situations where Norwich have been chasing games for not very long yeah. um, and, and today the game was, was done and dusted before he entered the pitch and and that's that's the problem Norwich aren't staying in games for long enough and even if I sit here now if I think about okay if I'm if I'm a coach how do I go about beating Norwich quite simple I, I defend my penalty area nice and compact um, I 
press them high, with, but knowing that they, they're going to give the ball away. And then we spring on the counter-attack, knowing that they haven't got the, the midfield to uh, to cope with it. And particularly in, in counter-attacking situations, they look far too stretched. They don't seem able to stop those, and, and that's a massive problem. Um, and, and we talk about their, their attacking threat. Today, they, they had virtually no penetration at all for, for the whole 90 minutes. Um, I mean, their goal comes from a horrendous mix-up, to, to be completely frank. So... Um, and, and we talk about options the one they, they miss the most at the moment is Onel Hernandez because he's the one who provides something different in, in that attacking uh, in that attacking setup that, that they don't have in Buendia and Campwell they've got players who want little combination plays on, on the edge of the area to sort of work space and, and get defenders out of the game by moving the ball quickly um, but in the Premier League that they haven't done that to, to the, um, the ability that, that's needed so um, Roberts is an option but again then you're talking about who comes in for where and, and how they adapt and Daniel Farker seems um, convinced that, that the way he's setting up at the moment is, is the way to go and without adaptations I think the evidence of the last three games suggests that, that, that that's not the case I mean, We're talking about O'Neill potentially being that option we are talking about a guy who's played most of his career in the second exactly. tier of Germany yeah, or, or exactly. in obviously in the championship and he did do well his stats reflected well but I, I know you throughout last season Pad he was somebody that infuriated you wasn't it it's not like <laughs> it's unlikely that Ono Hernandez is going to you know come in and, and dominate Premier League games is it so I don't know the reality seems to be hitting quite hard at the moment doesn't it yeah and obviously we you know, we do need to retain that element of perspective as hard as it is on the back yeah. of five defeats in six and obviously a very heavy, Farker's heaviest, Carrow Road defeat. Um, but, yeah, I mean, on Onel, I don't think he's the answer per se, but they do need to shake it up. And again, sick of saying it, but it will depend going into the Bournemouth game, the other side of the international break, how many extra bodies he's got to pick from. If it's the same same tried and trusted then I'm afraid we'll be seeing probably the same personnel in the same shape um, at Bournemouth and I think that'll probably go the same way as well because you know they're, they're a very decent outfit in the Premier League now but um, I think yeah I think the reality is we we knew it was going to be a very difficult ride and both Weber and Farker pretty much while the champagne was, was still popping uh, said that we're going to have some heavy heavy defeats in this league and uh, I guess we'd have probably expected it to be Man City rather than Aston Villa so a bit of a curveball thrown in there but if they don't adapt their behaviours and that's from the coach down then um, there is no way that template is going to be residually effective to get enough points to stay in this division and you would hope and I'm pretty convinced he's astute enough to know that that he's not stubborn enough to the point where he will continue to persist with Amadou at centre-back and two fairly lightweight central midfielders so or, or even the mix behind Pukki which for me isn't working at the moment either so yeah we just have to suck this period up and, and hopefully you know I go back now it's just popped into my head uh, the start of that unforgettable season last season was probably when they re-emerged after the September international break Pukki got that goal against Middlesbrough uh, and on they went and it, it wasn't just that, that Pukki scored that day it felt like the performance something clicked and those players really knew what they wanted from their head coach I don't get that sense at the minute so you're hoping for a similar type of uh, tack and going in a different direction because um, you know this I'm afraid is going to uh, end quite badly Yeah they've fallen behind the points uh, required uh, if you average a point per game in the Premier League 
and you get 38 points, you've got a very good chance of staying up nowadays. Now they've got six from eight, so that's not looking good. I mean, I've always been a fan of Alex Tetty. Mm. Um, I know he's not universally popular, but when you think about how important he was to the win over Manchester City, he would be a massive person to have back when they travelled to Bournemouth, the other side of the international break, wouldn't it? Yes, but I do think maybe we're getting caught up too much in the defensive midfield position because you look at Farker's two years, 100th game today, and you look at how many goals they've conceded in that time. Even last season, they were having to outscore the opposition who'd yeah. got two or three goals. So it's nothing new about conceding goals, is it? It's been littered over his time here. So it just seems the way he plays invites goals against, and it it always is a case of having to outscore someone that's already got two or three goals. I mean, you think last season, Forrest got three at Carrot Road, Derby four, uh, Millwall and Bolton, didn't they get two or three each? Uh, two, yeah. West Brom got four, Leeds got three. Yeah, so, I mean, we're not actually seeing anything new here, are we? To an extent. <laughs> I, I think the defence midfield uh, one is, is going to be more important away from home in the Premier League. I think sometimes you could... You know, if you go to Man City, all right, that's on the final day of the season. If you go to Tottenham, I think you can quite possibly need Amadou and Teti or Tribal and Teti or something in a game like that because you're really going to be up against it. But I mean, you look at the stats from this game. Um, Villa had 22 shots and 12 of them were on target. You know that that cannot continue. So what what we're seeing is that the the style needs to tweak. They're still going to play in that same with the same intent, but. I just think at this level there's too many good operators to not have somebody who's going to sit in front of that back four and sweep up you know like McCamber did like Kante did so well for Leicester like um, uh, Odrissa Gay was doing for Everton before he's got his big move to PSG like Declan Rice is doing so well for West Ham at the moment um, you know uh, Leicester have got it as well in, in Didi and Chowdhury I, I just think that role is is, is really crucial but um we shall see. I mean, I'm just looking at those stats. 43 shots on goal across mm. the whole of the game today. I mean, it was just frantic again. You know, you're going to get value for money at Carrow, don't you, Connor? Yeah, not not always a, a good, uh, not always in a good way, as, as proven today. Um, yeah, it's just it's just so poor defensively again. It's it's again Villa coming back to to what Villa did well. It it was essentially particularly first half leaving the front three up and then knowing that they had the bodies and the legs in midfield to to bypass Norwich and overloading key areas at key points. I mean, how many times do I, I turn to you, Tony, today and say, look how they've worked that there, and and they get a shot from about twenty five yards because of the way they'd pretty much worked themselves out of a tight corner that mm. Norwich had put them in, and they're just not defensively robust enough. And if there was ever a template for them to take forward and say right this is how we need to particularly away from home take into the Premier League it was that Manchester City game where there was less emphasis on possession it was all about how they used the ball and at the moment it feels like it's switched from how do we use the ball to actually can we play our own way in the Premier League and that needs to that needs to switch because ultimately it's going to be points um, that, that keep Norwich in the Premier League not style points and they can be as attractive as they want on the ball if they can't do it out of possession then they're going to get punished and you refer to the championship I think Norwich play the way they did today in the championship then on some cases they, they may get away with it because of the, the difference in quality at this level you don't, you don't get away with it when, when there's a £22 million striker up front and John McGinn in midfield who who was like a Rolls Royce today marvellous Nakamba who, who was excellent but 
again, it, it for me, it all comes down to that midfield. And if you can't win a midfield in a Premier League game, you will lose the game. It's as simple as that. And um, Norwich haven't done that enough this season. And of course, we have to reference the injuries. But even with Teddy, um, particularly at Burnley, I'm thinking Burnley away now, even then they weren't physical enough. And um, even though he was on for, what, 12, 13 minutes. So it's a difficult situation um, for Norwich. It, they, they're going to have to be very reflective going into this international break. And, and they need to address key areas of the pitch because defensively it, it, they cannot continue like this. They cannot give away however many shots they gave away today regularly because it's unsustainable. And if they do that, then it's going to be very problematic for them going forward. And um, they need to work out a different approach going forward because in terms of penetration in terms of the operators they have behind Pukki and Pukki himself um, it, it's almost like they've they've put a def- teams have put a defensive midfielder in there and suddenly all the avenues um, between the space of the centre-halves and the full-backs where Pukki likes to play so much is, is now restricted and Norwich can't almost find a, an answer to that and they need to find answers to these problems because as I, as I keep repeating if they don't then they're going to find themselves back in the championship next season. Right, let's hear from Max Ahrens, who was good enough to come and speak to us, despite being the youngest member of the team. He was the man that took the bullet and spoke to the media. And to be fair, I, I think he um, was quite calm and showed a good bit of maturity. Yeah, don't get me wrong, it's tough. Players playing out of position, um, injuries. But we can't we can't use it as an excuse. We had it against Man City, we had it um, today. Um, but we've got after the international break, we've got players coming back. And hopefully that will... Uh, boost us a little bit but we've got to, um, definitely got to come back from this and How does the dressing room work in after a, a defeat like that Max do you, do you all sort of have a bit of a vent or is it a, you just sort of park it for a little while Yeah of course you have a you have a vent um, some people are different some people prefer to just stay quiet after a game like today but um, yeah as I've said many times we'll, we'll pick ourselves up from this it's really disappointing and it will be disappointing for a few days but we'll come back it wasn't easy for the fans to sort of stay patient with things today I know there was a few moments of growth along the way but they felt like they stuck with you reasonably well definitely um, I didn't feel at one point that they were on our backs or anything like that they know as much as we know that it's going to be tough times um, as long as we just keep working hard keep showing the, the belief and the togetherness that we've got in this group's um, second to none and we trust each other we trust that the fans are all in we're all in this together and we, I can only thank them for our support really and the ankle how's that doing yeah, it's all fully fit again yeah no really yeah. good um, yeah it's felt, felt really good uh, since I've come back so yeah really quick recovery to be fair not what I expected from true crime to football Brexit to folklore for more great podcasts from Archant, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archant. Right, let's park the performance then. Let's try to start looking ahead uh, what's to come during the international break and uh, how Norwich City move forward from here. I'll just um, remind you at this point, this podcast is brought to you by Archant Podcasts. And if you are interested in advertising with us or sponsoring the show, then please do drop an email to matt.withers at archant.co.uk. And this podcast is as much yours as it is ours. So if you'd ever like to pose a question to us or any comments, then please do drop us an email at thepinken at archant.co.uk or tweet us at pinken. 
you know where to find us. We're across all the social medias, and we're on Instagram now. Connor's uh, Connor's got that sorted, so um, do get in touch. Um, as Paddy mentioned, that was the heaviest defeat of the Daniel Farker era. But if we have a look at the injuries, we don't want to talk about um, them in the negative sense. But uh, in terms of who could come back. Um, We've also got this issue with Ben Godfrey and getting his hernia operation. So he, he, you know, he's touch and go as things stand, isn't he? And he's going to Munich for his operation as well. Yeah, that's what Daniel announced in his post-match. So um, hopefully not to the beer festival. But uh, the NNN can't do hernia operations, apparently. Uh, you seem to have a be, be in your bonnet about the. Uh, we don't need to get into any political, uh, dangerous political territory, but uh, I'm sure there are medical people in England slash Norwich who could perform that surgery, but. Unless I misheard the man, Maybe that's the Germans are more efficient. Do you think? <laughs> well, <laughs> efficiency is key with this recovery because yeah. ulti- ultimately, <laughs> into professional mate. Ultimately, they need. They do. It's not a case that they can say, "Well, you can skip Bournemouth," um, because Zimmerman's not going to be fit. Close is not going to be fit. Hanley is the one. I mean, he's off to see a specialist as well, but. Um, Unless there's some some sort of cure they can put in place, you know, you'd have to say he at this early stage of the proceedings in terms of Bournemouth is a doubt. So, I mean, Hamadou, who's not really a centre back, if we're being charitable, uh, he might be the only fit and available option they have going into the Bournemouth game. So it might. I'm oh, a <laughs> Sorry, Dave, you put your head hand to your head. It might get worse <laughs> before it gets better. Unfortunately, um, Callum Wilson, what? Is Akin for Maywo, this is your moment. Callum Wilson might have a field day next. Two weeks time, wouldn't he? Oh, Bournemouth are good. There's no. So there's Solanke as well. He's been Solanke, Josh King. Yeah, they're a talented bunch. So yeah, but let's. In the interest of trying to salvage some positivity, we'll say Ben Godfrey surgery goes very well. The yep. German medics prove their efficiency, and uh, and he's available for Bournemouth. But I don't. Again, at the risk of repeating myself, I think him and Amadou will probably be the only fit and available centre back option. So. As much as we don't, really, I don't think too many Norwich fans want to continue seeing that union uh, moving forward. But I think they're going to have to put up with it on the south coast. Um, I'm just trying to think in my head. I think um, now probably too uh, too early. Um, I would imagine Krull would be the one. I think. I mean, he his initial timeline from Daniel was Bournemouth was realistic, so it would be good to get him back because um, we all know what he brings. Um, yeah, Brancic and yeah, Tetty, I think, are probably maybe. the two that we can be quite hopeful of, can't we? Yeah, that's But Daniel a fair did shot. mention Anel Hernandez, didn't he? And he did sort of say he might be back in full training before Bournemouth, but presumably that means he... he well, he wouldn't be starting, from no. we can say that. No, 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 he wouldn't start him, I don't think. I think at the most optimistic with Anel, it would be a place on the bench uh, at, at Bournemouth. Um, but as you rightly say, yeah, probably Tete and Brancic are the only two who could come in and, and change that midfield mix. Um so forget the positivity. I think we might be t- <laughs> might be talking about a Bournemouth defeat because it's hard to see how they, yeah. how Tete and Vranchich coming back into the mix along with Cruel really alters the dynamic. So I think it might well be getting further into the uh, November, October, November before he's really able to make some tangible changes. That said, I mean top end of the pitch, he can obviously you know with Roberts there um, and Dermich possibly Shrebeni, although I wouldn't really think he's got too much about him to change a Premier League game. Um, but something needs to change, as I say. I mean, you know, Bournemouth will see that, you can be sure. They're a very seasoned Premier League outfit under a very astute manager in Eddie Howe. They will be every bit as uh, tactically astute as Villa were today under Dean Smith. So 
things aren't going to get any easier from here. Um, but what what I would like to see is the mindset a bit different. As I said right at the outset, I felt they they grabbed on to the injuries today as an excuse. They haven't done that previously. They weren't good enough at Burnley or West Ham or Palace, but I don't think necessarily they were feeling sorry for themselves. That was the case today. Um, and that needs to change. And that's something that Fayaka can, once he gets his international boys back over this fortnight, can work on because if they start to think the world's against them and uh, I don't like this Premier League, it's far too hard, then there isn't a lot down from whatever he does in terms of the personnel and the per- uh, and the formation. So that is certainly something he can work on, I feel. Um, and you never know, maybe a bit of siege mentality wouldn't go miss uh, us against the world kind of thing. I thought they had harnessed that. They certainly did against Manchester City, but today and just popped into bed Tony made a very salient point I thought before the game when he was outside doing the coaches pulling in and the players getting off he said he felt he was very flat mm. the whole atmosphere um, and that's not a slight on the fan base but I've got that sense inside the stadium prior to kick off during the game as well that maybe the fans turned up today thinking well you know this is going to be very tough and um, you know we might have to accept our medicine but that needs to change players and fans that needs to change because once you start losing belief then it really is a long way back so if you ask me can he radically alter it in terms of his personnel for between now and Bournemouth no I don't think so I don't think he's going to magically get nine of those fit players back on the back on the training pitch but what needs to change is the mindset a salient point Tony high praise for you <laughs> well, first one <laughs> it, it, it would on that point though it, it would be sad if this season is remembered for and the excuse of God forbid relegation is injuries and, and it's uh, well we only got relegated because of injuries you, d- you don't want that to be your reason when you're, you're talking to people about mm. that one season in the Premier League oh we only got relegated because we didn't have a, our best 11 out there so hopefully, in a month's time, he'll have a fit squad, yeah. and then we can use other excuses. Yeah, a lot, <laughs> lot of water to go under the bridge, but just looking backwards, I mean, McLean and Tetty did the job against Manchester City, but the most complete performance of the season, admittedly against a Newcastle team who were at sixes and sevens, uh, was Leitner and Tribal. That was the... F- for only game where we've seen midfield control, wasn't it? And they looked mm. balanced together. Tribal was really snapping into to tackles, and obviously he he sort of gets the best best out of line, doesn't he? Because he can get the ball to him quickly. So uh, getting those two back together would be uh, would be a massive help, wouldn't it? Yeah, I, th- I think the key word there is balance. That's that's what they lack in midfield at the moment. They've they've got in McLean and Lightner not not a particularly great one to be honest. I think you're, you're asking McLean to do a job that, as you said at, at the top of the show, it's it's not really his his firm. His strength, I suppose, in, in in terms of that position, and, and Mo Leitner is is never going to be a a tough tackling ball winning midfielder. So um, it's just a shame that Teddy isn't twenty six, twenty seven, and and in control of his fitness a bit more because that would be a player that that Norwich would undoubtedly get a lot more out of. Um, because for me, and I've watched him throughout his time at Norwich, he's he's been massive in terms of what he offers from a defensive sense and. Okay, his, his ball playing isn't the best, and and that's why you have someone like Mo Leitner alongside him. But if I think about Alex Tetty under Daniel Farker, that for me is, has been in patches and, and not perhaps over a consistent period, but where we've seen the best of him in terms of him knowing what he is. He knows that he needs to win the ball and give it to someone who can pass it essentially. Um, but in terms of positioning and in terms of screening the back four, Norwich haven't really had a player to, who's done that all season. Even Tom Tribal, um, prior to injury, I, I didn't feel offered them the protection that they needed at this level. So 
it's it's a really complex one because they've only got a, a certain list of players even even with everyone fully fit they've only got a certain list and we've seen a lot of them now um, maybe Vrancic we, we haven't really seen at this level um, yet so that's that's going to be an intriguing one when, when he's back but even then he's not someone who screens the back four so it's a, it's a really difficult one um, and again Amadou that is a mystery because we've only seen him at centre back so how they find that balance is is going to be the key but but they need to find it quickly because as I've said previously this league sucks confidence like no other and you go on a run where you lose five games on the spin which Norwich are very close to doing and it's very hard to get out of that habit um, but uh, yeah they need to find a solution to that midfield free really in terms of the two holders and, and the attacking midfielder as well because I'm, I'm not convinced Stephenman's doing enough there at the moment Yeah I'm really interested to see if Mario Vrancic can do a, a a job there you know as in reproducing the form that he had last year and you know finishing from the edge of the box and things like that that would be great if he could uh, you know come to the party as it were but um, we have left one huge story out so far ah. which of course was that we, we're in the presence of royalty today and I know you're excited by this aren't you Tony long live the king <laughs> uh, the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge, uh, Prince William and Kate Middleton, yes, uh, were there with one of their children. Uh, George was it? George, two, Prince George, two. Yeah, I presume they were in the director's box, were they? I, I didn't no, really. No, 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 no that's, that's the can of worms. How did they get a ticket in the home end? They're in the home end. They were at the back of the Gerald, so I'm guessing it was a box. But uh, still, in are the, they in the padded seats? Are they members? I'm sure the fans will will be uh, raging about that. Yeah. They, do they still live in Norfolk? I I, I don't really know sure. anything about. No, they got their own place in Norfolk, in, uh, don't they? they? But I I don't know if they still have that or not. Um, I thought they were at um, Kensington Palace. Uh, yeah, that yeah they have left, haven't they? That's right. Yeah, because um, they were living here for a while, yeah. and he and William was working at Norwich Airport, wasn't he, for the um, East Anglian Air Ambulance? He was um, flying for them. Well, um, <laughs> I'm getting the sense you're a Republican, <laughs> CT. Well, I mean. He, he's not traipsing around the country like we are in the car watching Norwich are, is he? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah well I think he was doing genuine work for yeah, them. I think yeah, he was piloting he um, was doing good work for them yeah, got to say for charity. Charity. can he play centre back that's the question <laughs> yeah well he's a big Villa fan that, isn't he that is the point that's a good point. question what if they forced Prince George to play football and do you reckon he'd, he'd get a club just if because he, of who he's he good is. enough defensive midfielder. Has there ever been a royal that's played professionally? I, the clamour to get them just from a PR point of view mm. would be huge, wouldn't it? But I mean, I don't know if any of you watch Suits on Netflix, the uh, which was what um, what's her name, Markle. Meghan Markle, uh, Prince Harry's now wife. Yeah, right. they got married, didn't they? Um, she was in that for I don't know what the first five or six seasons yeah. main character one of the main characters in there and then as soon as she was involved with the Royals she was gone yeah. like she's not in she's not in it at all mm. her sort of on screen husband comes back into hopefully this isn't any spoilers for anyone <laughs> uh, sort of comes back into things in the final season <laughs> uh, but she doesn't there's you know the odd mention of her so I think if you're a Royal it's very difficult to do that yeah. sort of thing isn't it, it there must be an insurance problem or something because imagine if Sort of a Kevin Muscat style tackle went in on on a royal. T- can, we, can we cut this short? Because my toad in the hole's getting cold up there, and I'd rather eat that than talk about royalty. There's a there's an analogy there. McGinn in the hole. What are you on about now? See, he's he's talking. He's delirious. He's delirious. Wrap this up, Dave. Well, there is your royal 
bulletin for this week and it's probably the only one of this season but at least we'll finish on a degree of a light note because um, I think it's probably going to be a little bit of a difficult two weeks you obviously you get international breaks in the championship as well don't you but it's the elongated spaces between all these games that feels so different that you don't get midweek games the immediate chance to, to bounce back do you so um, I appreciate that this is going to be a long couple of weeks for Norwich fans sadly and um we will uh, keep on top of everything as best we can. We'll let you know what's going on with the internationals. Touch wood, um, touching Tony's head right now. Um, <laughs> there are no further injuries. Uh, you know, of course, Pookie is off with Finland. Uh, Max and Todd with the Indian under 21s. All, all the other ones that you'd expect. Lewis and McGovern with Northern Ireland. So. Fingers crossed the injury crisis doesn't get any worse, and that a few players are available back for Bournemouth, and that we can at least sort of close this chapter of the season and, and, and make a fresh start because I'm sure that's what Daniel Farg is going to want to do and he's not going to want to be talking about injuries for too much longer so thanks very much for joining us we will keep you up to date with everything during the break and head over to pinkton.com for all the analysis of this weekend's games thank you for listening